I'm back just in time. It's rivalry week. Rivalry week. It's rivalry week. It's rivalry week. All right. I'm back just in time. It's rivalry week. Okay. I'm just going to say I'm back just in time. Okay. Oh, you got to say rivalry. I can't do it. Just, just mumble it. Rivalry. I'm back just in time. It's rivalry. <laughs> I'm back just in time. This is from the commissioner's desk. Hillside Uncensored Fantasy Football League. We're here. We've made it to Rivalry Week. One of the hardest words to say in the English language. Uh, we're here. It's Thursday, October 6th. Chaz, you're back. You're not underwater anymore. First off, we just got to start there. How are you doing now? How's the last week or so been for you? Uh, it's been a little hectic. You know, uh, starting last week on Monday, I thought uh, my... I'm on the second floor of my apartment, which apparently was supposed to be underwater. Um, I was technically in the zone A for evacuation, which basically means you're fucked. Um, so we, once I heard that, I went and got the car and said peace about one o'clock. Um, thankfully, though, we went up to Orlando and actually got worse, hit worse there than we than Tampa did. So Yikes. I'm back. I'm safe. Um, and I'm ready to watch some football, hopefully not lose this week. Um, so we're back in the groove and it's rivalry week. Um, so I couldn't be more excited. Let's go. That's right. Well, you, I'm sure we're tuned into fantasy football all weekend long. Uh, I feel a bit like a broken record here. The hot teams are staying hot. We've got Kurds, Wranglers, and Don still sitting at the top undefeated. Uh, our league is very top heavy. We're going to look at this a little bit when we get into the standings. But a lot of these teams near the top are going to amass quite a few wins. So it's going to be difficult for these teams near the bottom, like you and I and some of these other guys to make a jump or make a late push into the playoffs. Uh, we'll see if that continues going forward. We're both sitting with one win right now. Chaz, are you feeling good going into rivalry week? Do you like your rival? Are you excited for this week's matchup? Uh, I'm not feeling good. I think a lot of my players are injured. Um, some of them didn't practice Wednesday or Thursday. So I'm curious to see how they're going to end up. Um, so I'm excited to watch football. I'm not excited for my team. No, I do not like Daniel 25 Savage. Um, but I'm curious for a matchup and then the teams at the top, you got a four win buffer, so you could do pretty bad and then mm -hmm. change some things up in a week or two. So the guys sitting at four and oh, congratulations. Um, you can take a load off this week and just hope you, you know, feed into the, the rivalry, um, and kind of talk some trash, but I, you're sitting pretty. Um, so I'm kind of jealous of you, but my team as a whole, one and three, not many points for uh, a little nervous. Yeah. Let's talk some football. Oh, it's back to back weeks and we're going back to London again. Chaz, what do you think of that? Uh, I was not aware we were doing uh, British accents, so well, I did not prepare one. Doing a British accent. Uh, I think it is. Uh, that's more Australian. I don't know if I can do that. Um, I actually, um, all jokes aside, really like the um, London games. I think they're fun. Um, it's cool to watch the crowds. Um, but also the games start at 930. And that means I can wake up and watch football 
and I don't have to wait till the one o'clock games. Um, last week was a fun one. Um, granted, I watched um, Justin Jefferson drop about 30 points, I think. Um, so it wasn't too fun to watch. But this week, I uh, have some players in this game. Do you want to break down the game, and then I'll talk about some of the guys that are going to play in here? Yeah, absolutely. I Something about these games, I think they're great, you know, once every few weeks. Back-to-back weeks just seems like a lot. I don't know if I really want to get up again for another game. Uh, we did have a game that did not disappoint, an exciting one last weekend. Viking Saints, very high-scoring game. A lot of offense came down to a last-second kick that was off of two upright posts. So it was a double doink that ended up not sending the game to overtime. Gave the Vikings the win. Continued the same trend that we talked about last week. There's a, against the spread, the, the favorites are largely favored. So now the stat is 18-10 and 10 against the spread for London games. And the favorites are 21-6-1 overall. Uh, this week we've got Packers-Giants. Two teams sitting at 3-1. and one. Two fairly different teams. The spread is large. It's Green Bay's favored by eight points, and the over-under is 40-and-a-half. Chaz, talk about these teams and the fantasy implications you see here. Yeah, so for me personally, a little biased, we'll go over my team first. Um, Green Bay, um, I have Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, and the I'm a little worried to watch this game because there, there's a good chance that one of these players I'm not going to be starting. Um, I like Brees Hall. He's been coming up a lot. Um, a lot of chatter about Brees. He might make the start over A.J. Dillon. So I'm excited to watch Aaron Jones, but it's one of those things where if I end up not starting A.J. Dillon, um, I might be kicking myself if he has a big game. But outside of them, I think really the only two players on Green Bay to care to watch is um, Alan Lazard and um, Rome, the new Romeo Dubs, who I traded away. Uh, probably shouldn't have done that, but um, those are the two guys at wide receiver, which, again, they could have a dead game as well. Um, I think it'll be pretty slow going up against the Giants. And then on the Giants' side, Saquon is arguably running back one this year. Um, good pickup by Chrome Dome. So outside of him, I think that's pretty much – I think there's a few wide receivers that are beat up. But outside of him, I think the only guy I'm watching for Green Bay is um, Saquon Barkley. So hopefully he puts on a good game to make it interesting. Yeah, starting with the Packers, you mentioned it. A.J. Dillon, you've got him on your bench right now. And in favor of that, you're actually starting four running backs. So on top of A.J. Dillon, obviously – you're going to keep Aaron Jones in your starting running back position. You're starting Brees Hall, Jeff, Jeff Wilson Jr., and Khalil Herbert. Now, I know you've had A.J. Dillon in your starting lineup all year. I know you're big on Brees Hall, but this comes a little bit of a shock to me that you still have Jeff Wilson Jr. and Khalil Herbert in there. Just looking at statistics, uh, A.J. Dillon is actually the lead back when it comes to target share and volume in the run game at 52%. So it's a slight margin, but still, he's getting more utilization. Obviously, we have Aaron Jones, who's doing more with those touches, more touchdowns, bigger games, more 100-yard rushing games. Um, so he's a more effective ball carrier, but it's interesting to see with kind of what you consider a high-powered offense in Green Bay, still your Super Bowl favorite, the lead back getting 52% of the touches is sitting on your bench. Hey, well, expect the unexpected. Uh, this year has not gone as planned for me. Um, a lot of the guys that I've been told and that I've looked at that are supposed to the ball out this year uh, have not. So I'm trying to mix a couple things up here. Um, I think A.J. Dillon's floor is pretty safe. I mean, the last few weeks he's put up pretty good numbers. Um, but then again, if they just go up big and they just run the clock out, um, he can have a couple runs here or there, but I don't see him getting too many passing opportunities. Whereas Khalil Herbert and Jeff Wilson have a higher ceiling, I think, um, going up against Carolina. 
I'm just the only running back there. And then Khalil Herbert, which we can get into my team more when we break them down. But I, I just think those guys have a higher upside this week. Um, it could possibly push me over the edge. Yeah, and then looking at the wide receivers for the Packers, I think it's been an interesting storyline since the offseason. Uh, after the draft, a lot of people were big on Christian Watson. Then camp rolls around, all the news stories coming out about Romeo Dobbs. Then it gets to the draft, and everyone's saying, well, Lazard's going to be slotted as a number one receiver. So it was interesting to see how this has been playing out. But like you said, it's definitely been kind of a 1A, 1B. I would even favor the 1A to Romeo Dobbs and the 1B to Lazard. So it's going to be interesting going forward. The obvious point here is that neither of them are Devontae Adams. Um, I think the run game will continue need, continually need to be what projects the Packers to victory. Uh, but we'll, we'll see how that plays out. But let's talk a little bit about the other side of the ball with the Giants. You mentioned some of their wide receivers are banged up. Uh, that's a little bit of an understatement. The, the wide receiver core, they have two players on IR, including their star wide receiver, Sterling Shepard, and also Colin Johnson. They've got a player designated as doubtful, Kenny Galladay, who's played every game this season but hasn't recorded a fantasy stat since week one. And then the rest of their main receivers are all questionable going into this Saturday morning match or Sunday morning matchup. Richie James, uh, Kadarius Tony, who's missed the last two games, and Wandale Robinson, who's missed the last three games. So a lot of firepower that's just not been there. And that means all of the production has come through the run game, largely Saquon. But in the last couple of weeks, it's been Daniel Jones scored two touchdowns uh, last week in their matchup. So it's going to be, I feel like this game is going to be a lot of run heavy offenses, a low scoring game. The clock's going to move fast. It'll be interesting to see who can dog it out, but I've got Green Bay winning this one. Yeah, as do I. I mean, they're just going to hand the ball, like you said, the rock off to Saquon. Um, hopefully he can put a few runs together. And then uh, did you say Daniel Jones was for sure playing or do we not know yet? He's still listed as questionable, but I would be shocked if he didn't play. Okay, yeah. So I'm going to go, obviously, Green Bay here as well. Uh, but I think it could be a quick one, um, which will make it easier for me to get off and go on to beat-ups. All right, let's break it down now into the standings. Chaz, give us an update of what the standings look like for our fantasy football league, but more importantly, give us the update to Chooch's standings. Of course. Um, we've said a little bit. There's four undefeated teams so far. There's Title Town Cheese Curds, the Ranchwater Wranglers, and Don Patrol. Um, currently per, for points four, um, I think most people are aware of this, but Title Town – um, Chrome Dome, who's three and one, uh, and then Ranchwater. So the two undefeated teams, Titletown and Ranchwater, are also top three scoring teams. Um, so pretty easily to see um, why they're four and zero. Oh. Don Patrol's team has been um, playing above average. I think he's the fourth um, most points for. So the three guys at the top scoring the most points. Um, it doesn't really matter what their other uh, opponents are doing. They're they're playing well enough. Um, and then if you break down. One team is three and one, and that's Chrome Dome's also a, a good team. We'll break him down on my um, rankings here shortly, but he, he's at four at the only team, three and one. We have two teams at two and two, the, the brothers in arms, the brothers in life, the Lexington mob and the king in the north um, have had pretty decent games the last few weeks. So they're two and two. And then here we have a quite a large margin here um, of the teams that are one and three. So there's four, uh, there's five teams, one and three. Um, at seven, VC Stingrays, Fighter Town, 25 Savage, myself, you, and then our lonely boy at the bottom, um, Ryan McCauley, Louisville, whatever, uh, is 0 and 4. So he's got a lot of uh, he's got a lot of things to do here to kind of bounce back a little bit. But um, I, I think going into the season, 
Um, this might be a little shocking. We've said the last two weeks, the, the, the order of these um, in terms of wins and losses, um, but that doesn't mean much uh, in my eyes. If we look over here at the standings that people missed last week and they're, they've been begging for, um, let me break down my standings real quick. So at the top of the leaderboard, we have Ranchwater Wrangler, no shocker here. Um, another one at number two, Chrome Domes. I like his team. He's gotten um, not lucky because um, I think a few of his draft picks um, were good players and he kind of hit on a few of them. Justin Jefferson's kind of one of those ones where um, he wanted him. A lot of people wanted Justin Jefferson and he's done what he's needed to do. Um, but one guy who's really helped him out is Saquon Barkley, who we talked about. So I got Chrome Domes on number two. Um, here's a shocking one. Uh, this person, this is long. This is season long. Okay. This isn't just for this week. This is season long. And number three, I have 25 Savage. Number four, Title Town, Cheese Curds. Number five, we have the Lexington Mob. We have a three-way tie for six. BC Stingrays, Fighter Town Mavericks, and yours truly, I'm a chooch. And then below there at number nine, we have Don Patrol. Two shocking ones here. At number nine, we have Don Patrol. Number 10, Specifically after this trade, King of the North at 10. Number 11, his record says otherwise, but he is Hot Tub Time Machine. And again, I, it's not you. It's, it's the system. I mean, you, the man's been holding you back, man. And I have nothing else to say. After the Javante Williams blow, uh, Viva La Teos, you're down at number 12. So those are my rankings um, comparatively. What do you think? Look, I can respect it, and I can also respectfully disagree. I think uh... – the one thing that you're going to have to prove to yourself is why you're disrespecting Titletown Kurds. They're number one overall in standings. They're undefeated, have by far the most points for it, and you've got them slotted in at fourth. I know it's season long, but what's going into those metrics that's making them fall three spots on the standings? Yeah, I just think depth of his team, uh, longevity, I just don't know if he's got it there. I think um, his starting lineup is phenomenal. Um, Cooper Cup, Travis Kelsey, Lamar. Um, I think those are three guys you can hang your hat on any day. Um, he's got great rookies, Chris Olave, Amon Ross St. Brown. But once, if, if one of them or any of them get hurt, who's he going to slide in there? Wide receiver. His best wide receiver on the bench is arguably Romeo Dubs, who could have a hit or miss game. Um, Devin Duvernay, who is arguably wide receiver too. Out of those two guys, who are you going to put it there? Um, at wide receiver, if your wide receivers get hurt. And then running back, um, he's kind of hurting for running backs. Damian Harris and Tyler Algier, who are not great running backs in general, but if any of them get hurt, um, granted David Montgomery, who's already had dealt with injuries, um, if he stays out, who's he going to play? He's got Gus Edwards, who's also out, and then James Cook, who's played awful. So he's got one good running back who's already hurt, and he's got two mediocre running – I guess arguably Damian Harris is a good running back. But outside of them two, he's hurting for running backs, and you got to play two of them a week. So that just might be point. Well, I'll end it here with one last rebuttal, and I'll say that Amon Ross St. Brown was injured last week, did not play. He put Romeo Dobbs into his lineup, scored him 14 fantasy points, which is, in fact, more fantasy points at the wide receiver position than either of your two starters last week. So I'll just leave it at that. This guy could be coming into form as the season goes on, so I'm not as skeptical as his depth. At the wide receiver position, however, I think you're on to something with the running backs. All right, let's move on into a new segment for you guys called Get a Load of This. Take a load off, Benny. 
segment time it's called get a load of this all right these are league happenings that might not necessarily be related to fantasy football but stuff we feel like is worthwhile sharing to the league uh chaz you and i both have a little storyline we want to go with you've got a great one Uh, i'll give you props to that so i'll let you kick it off get a load of this guys go ahead jazz so uh as you know, being commissioners is a tough job. It's not, it's not just on the weekends. It's nine to five. Okay. We're here every day putting in work. Um, we're overseeing the league. We're making sure that the rules are followed and that everyone's fallen into place. There's no collusion. We set up rules and guidelines. Um, so I'm in the office. Granted, you might think I got this high up job. I got the corner office because I'm the commissioner. Mm-hmm. You know, we're in big meetings. Um, and that might seem easy, but it's actually very difficult. But um, with that being said, as much as I look over the integrity of the league, I also look out for the members here, okay? And with us being in big, in big meetings uh, with big corporate sponsors, um, I have one that I'd like to share here. Um, we do have an individual who goes by the name of the Lexington Mob who has been a huge fan and contributor, almost, should I say, a, um, a representative of Twisted Tea, if you will, also known as a tea bag, and Will Gray. And I have reached out to the Twisted Tea um, board and the CEO, and I have kind of gave them your, your breakdown that you, you love Twisted Tea. You buy them as often as you can, every NFL game. You get Twisted Teas. You arguably get two tall boys um, for every game. If you see them on public, you'll acknowledge, you'll send us reviews. Um, and in return, they enjoyed that story so much. Uh, They have offered to send you a T-shirt and possibly some other uh, merchandise uh, from the Twisted Tea community uh, that should be arriving in the next week or two. I reached out via Twitter. You could call him a CEO or arguably the uh, Twitter intern, but uh, he reached back out to me. And uh, I told him your story, and he... Chaz, go ahead and read us those DMs that you sent back and forth. If you will, I, I said, hey, my name's Charles, and I have a good friend in my fantasy football league who lives and dies by the Twisted Tea. He literally gets two tall boys before every NFL game and lets us know in the group chat. He's always sending pics and referencing the tea, um, among other things I said in here. And then, simple as that, wasn't even 10 minutes. I got a response back for sure. Send address, T-shirt size, uh, and we'll hook your boy up. I said, of course. So I reached out to Will. Um, unknowingly, he did not know this. I said, what's your address? He just sent it over. Um, which is kind of shocking. I normally want to know what people want addresses for before he sent it, but he sent it over. Um, and his shirt size, which I didn't represent what it was for. Uh, so thank you, Will, for that. And then the guy also just out of the blue asked me if you're, depending on what size, what kind of hat you like, uh, trucker hat, bucket hat, I said, you'll prefer any. Um, and then he said, any other merchandise? Uh, I said, whatever you got, um, Will will appreciate. So um, big things happen in the commissioner pool here. Um, but I just wanted to let you know, Will, that I'm looking out for you. It's not a sponsorship, but damn it, it's as good as we're going to get. You guys really need to thank your commissioners. What a great feel-good story, Chaz. Good on you for doing that. Uh, and congratulations, Will, for being our Twisted Tea representative. All right, I'm going to change gears just a little bit. This is still the same segment. Get a load of this. But this is Rivalry Week. I told you weeks ago I put together my shit list, my revenge tour, if you will. It started last week. 
I faced Will Gray week four, embarrassed him. This week, I'm going up against my rival, Joey Battinger. Uh, and Joey had this to say. He sent me this audio message earlier in the week. Let's listen to it live. This is via text, the audio message I got from Joey. Hey, man. I uh, hope you're having a good day. Hope you're having a good week. Just wanted to let you know your, your team is trash and you're going to lose this week. Um, but I do hope you have a good weekend. Or the best one possible, but uh, yeah, just wanted to let you know your team is trash, and I look forward to beating you this weekend. So that was the message I received. Uh, you know what? I fight fire with fire. Joey's poking the bear during my revenge tour, so I'm going to leave him a message live on air, and he's going to receive this instantaneously, but he'll hear it again on the podcast. So here we go. I'm leaving Joey a little shit-talking message to get Rivalry Week going on the right note. Joey, Joey, Joey. This is live on the podcast right now, big guy. Cute voice message, but that's got to be one of the least intimidating trash talk that I've ever heard. The revenge tour is underway. This is week two. It's in full effect, and your team is fucked. Nick Chubb looks like a guy who reeks of moldy cheese. Dawson Knox looks like a homely motherfucker on a strictly moldy cheese diet. You're too... Main wide receivers are both in the NFL and somehow shorter than your ass. And not to mention Tyreek's QB is likely drinking mashed potatoes from a straw in his hospital bed. Your team is buns. Nobody in the group me wanted you back in this league. And I took a lot of joy in kicking your sorry ass out of the league the first time. Might as well humiliate you again. Say hey to Sydney for me. Talk soon. All right. Sent. Joey, yeah, suck on that, Joey. Suck on that. Suck on that, Joey. You're going down this week, big dog. Uh, that's all we got for that segment. That was, once again, get a load of this. Let's move on in and talk about some trades and acquisitions in the past week, uh, starting with the acquisition. So we had two acquisitions of note, both by the same team. So Tyler added two players, one being Mike Boone, running back for Denver with Javante Williams' injury getting a lot of hype around the fantasy world. He got him for $67. Huge amount of fab spent on that. And the other one's Geno Smith. Tyler spent $15 on that one as well. Chaz, what do you think about these two pickups for a team that you really like and you have them near the top of Chooch's rankings? Yeah, so the Mike Boone one, I, I mentioned it in the chat. I, I wasn't a huge fan of Mike Boone. Again, he's 27. Um, I don't think he's started a, a game before. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Multiple people have said, you know, he's a waiver wire pickup of the week, um, but not dropping. I mean, I, I've heard maybe 30% of your fab, but dropping 63 on him on a guy who, if Melvin Gordon stays healthy, is going to see a few touches, uh, maybe a few catches out on the side if they're, if they're winning or on a um, losing game strip, uh, game script. Um, I think he's maybe a week one or two play. They just signed Latavius Murray off of whose practice squad was it? The Ravens? Uh, I think Latavius Murray is with New Orleans. I believe they just signed him off the practice squad. Okay, then he got signed from New Orleans. Um, I don't think he's playing this week, um, but I don't think he's a great talent. I think he might be on your um, on the waivers by um, next week or the week after. And then Geno Smith, I do don't, I don't mind the Geno Smith um, acquisition. I think um, Geno Smith has played great from his metrics. I think he's a top five QB or something. Uh, this year in fantasy. Um, so I think $15 is fine on him, especially if you need a backup quarterback um, or if the one you do is not cutting it. But for the uh, the uh, Mike Boone uh, pickup, I think you could have gone without, um, especially spending all that fab. 
Yeah, I think, yeah, I think you hit the, the nail on the head. Geno Smith, a phenomenal pickup for 15 fab. He looks like a guy that's resurging that Seattle offense. DK Metcalf is becoming much more relevant. So I think that's a great pickup in a league where, uh, especially for fantasy wise, a lot of guys are pivoting week to week, trying to find the right quarterback to play in. A lot is matchup dependent. Geno Smith looks like he's a solid quarterback going forward. Now, the other side of the token, we're talking about Mike Boone. This is another huge fab acquisition, $67. So what I wanted to do is take a look at some of these other high acquisition players that have been added throughout the year. So we'll revisit some of these uh, previous weeks. We have Mike Boone this week went for 67. Mac Hollins last week went for 63. Tua Tungavailoa went for 82 the week prior. And at the beginning of the season, Jalen Warren went for 35. All of these players have greatly underperformed. So these big fab dollar acquisitions, all of these players have not been great. Mac Hollins, who put up 30 points the week before he was picked up, has averaged 6.3 points. Granted, it's just being one game, put up less than seven points. Tua Tagovailoa, we all know the story there. After he put up that 42-point game, Eric picked him up. He's had one touchdown, one interception, and two concussions, averaging 6.9 fantasy points. Um, unfortunate circumstances there, but not a great pickup when you look at the $82 spent. And then lastly, there's Jalen Warren, running back for Pittsburgh, picked up for $35 by the Lexington Mob. He's averaged 3.3 fantasy points a game, 10 points total on the season, just 14 touches totaling 70 yards. So a lot of these big dollar guys, we're not getting – you know, the James Robinsons of past years, the Cordero Pattersons who you pick up for a ton of fab and they're automatically a starter for the rest of the season. Um, a lot of that's attributable to the fact that we're now a 12-team league, right? We have a much larger league. The, the uh, waiver system is much, much smaller. Yeah, from everything you just said too, I think my uh, ranking of Lexington, or the ranking of Titletown Cheese Curds uh, is justified seeing that he dropped $63 on Matt Collins. Uh, that was a stu- I mean, come on. You're better than that, title town. I mean, I'm, I know I'm one in three, but come on. Um, and the other one, uh, what's Warren's first name? Who uh, the backup Jaylen, for Jalen Warren? Jalen Warren, yeah. And he was another guy. I think he's like five eight, and he weighs like one thirty. He's a rookie. Um, Najee Harris, who's great, can't even run behind that offensive line and that offense. Let alone um, Jalen Warren, who I again dropped. I think maybe like five dollars on him. I know a bunch of people are going to go after him, but um, you can't expect much from him. And then Tua Tagovailoa, I think that was just unfortunate circumstances. Again, I wouldn't drop that much on Tua. I think he's more of a streamer. Um, granted, he had those two big games, but I think it was just unfortunate events. Man, I mean, he could have paid off um, with Tyreek and uh, Waddle, but it just uh, sucks. So I think Don Patrol just kind of like it with that one. Yeah. All right, let's talk about some trades that have happened in the last week. We've got two of them that are worthwhile mentioning. The first being between Davis and myself, um, kind of mirroring a trade that was done earlier in the season. So I got some players back that I previously had sent to Davis. But the trade ended up being Damian Pierce, Jerry Judy, and Jared Goff were sent to Davis. And in return, I got Dalvin Cook, Gabe Davis, and Alexander Madison. At face value, do you have any thoughts on this trade? Um I feel like it's pretty even a lot of big names being transferred that have kind of underperformed and some guys that have really flashed being Jared Goff and Damian Pierce that I'm willing to let go of for some of these big name studs. Yeah, I think from off the bat, I mean, you're just looking at it, anybody um, saying it for the first time, I guess 
for my in my eyes especially i saw dalvin cook and i was like pretty much whoever got dalvin cook i think um buying him low like this won the trade um and you're in you really like gabe davis so it's in the eye of the beholder i think you're really excited about gabe davis this year and you got him back um so you getting dalvin cook gabe davis and then um having alexander madison there um to kind of push the trade forward knowing you have dalvin cooks back up i think you got to be um pretty happy with that and then also um hindsight being 2020 you just lost Javante Williams, so I think you can't be too mad about getting a high-end running back in uh, Dalvin Cook and sending away. Uh, granted, Damian Pierce has played well, um, but I think Dalvin Cook's in a better position um, on a better team. Um, so I think for the situation, I think you won this trade. And then on King of the North end, I know he has uh, he wasn't too confident in Derek Carr, so I think, I mean, getting Jared Goff, who's been playing great, um, depending on the script and who they're going up against, is kind of someone he can plug in there and feel confident about. And then, I mean, I love Dam- Damian Harris. Everyone loves him. Or, sorry, Damian Pierce. Um, but I think he could have some rocky roads ahead, whereas Dalvin Cook's pretty um, consistent. And then Jerry Judy, I just hate that Broncos offense this year. So um, I'm going to say you won the trade, but it, I think it helps out both teams. Does it change anything knowing that Davis is most likely going to use Damian Pierce as his keeper for future years? Is this going to set him up for success? Uh, I believe it was a fifth or sixth round pick. I could be wrong on that. Um, where I ended up drafting Pierce. So does that change things at all and how this trade shook out? Yeah, I think it could for sure. Um, like you said, King of the North's been, um, he, he's in another keeper league. So I know he uh, really emphasizes his keeper this year. Um, any Houston running back, uh, I'm never going to be too fond of. Just it could change from year to year, but I think he's he's an okay keeper, but it's a long season, injuries, um, acquisitions. I, I don't know. I don't really care. Yep. All right, let's move on and take a look at this other trade. Also King of the North involved in between Davis and Daniel, some more big names shifted around here. Davis received Devonte Adams and Melvin Gordon and sent to Daniel, Jonathan Taylor and Christian Kirk. Yeah. Again, this one's one of those where it's like, if you just see it from face value, you think the Jonathan Taylor and one um, granted, I think, their their full rosters kind of shifted quite a bit from this um, from this trade. I personally um, would have kept the Jonathan Taylor Christian Kirk, uh, but I can kind of see where King of the North wanted Devontae Adams and Melvin Gordon. I will say the only thing about um, getting or trading away Jonathan Taylor, I know um, King of the North was a little uh, probably worried or disappointed in JT's performance, um, but JT I think would have a bounce back in, in the weeks to come. I know he's injured, but um, having that rock on your end, but outside of him, I mean, I know he just traded for Damian Pierce, but he's got Melvin Gordon now, and his only other backup is Rex Burkhead. Which, even if Damian Pierce goes out and he can plug Rex Burkhead in there, um, that's a pretty shitty predicament to be in. So I think his running backs are really in trouble. Um, whereas if you look at Twenty Five Savage, as I pull his up here, I think his wide receivers, um, he's got a. Decent wide receiver uh, depth here. I mean, he's got – he's starting even in his flex, both wide receivers. Um, and then now getting that um, running back safe in Jonathan Taylor. Um, I definitely think 25 Savage won the trade. But just looking at his bench, I think both of them could um, have some issues moving forward. The only reason I say that is because 25 Savage has a tight end, a QB, and a defense, all backups, which I'm not a huge fan of, but to each their own. Yeah, and it, it- – I think this goes a lot to show that the name value still carries weight. Jonathan Taylor is running back 21 on the year. 
So just trading at rank value um, doesn't feel great, but you get a lot for that name value. Similar to the trade that Davis had when he sent Dalvin Cook to me, uh, shipped out his two big running backs, and I think he got good value back in return. Devontae Adams is wide receiver eight. We've talked about it all year, but the, the wide receiver position is where all the fantasy points have been scored. Devontae Adams is still a top 10 receiver, even on a worse offense with the Raiders. Uh, and then he gets Melvin Gordon. I think, you know, this offense, there's going to take a couple weeks to really figure out what they are and what they're made of. Um, but with Devontae out, Melvin Gordon should be the number one back stepping up into that role. We'll see how it shakes up between him and Mike Boone, but it seems like this is a great value um, of a guy that's currently running back 42, going to see a lot more touches moving forward. And without further ado, let's move into tonight or today's matchup. It's going on right now. We've got Thursday night football. Uh, before we get into the matchup, I want to play the actual theme music. And Chaz, you and I were talking about this before we started recording. Um, I have not seen a Thursday night football game from my couch. I've always been at a sports bar, so I haven't necessarily heard great sound. And I haven't heard this song until today. And this song sucks. So let's listen to a sneak preview of it real quick. Just give it a listen, and then we'll break it down here in just a second. I'm not going to spend too much time more listening to it. Um, this song sucks when you compare it to some of the other big pump up NFL, CBS, Fox, uh, even like SEC Network, I feel like has a better song than this going into big time primetime games. Uh, this just feels like it's trying way too hard and makes me extremely uncomfortable, but totally something that Amazon Prime would do. Yeah, and not just the song, the intro is so stupid. It's like, not claymation, but it's like a bunch of like graphics coming at you and stuff. It's just super cheesy. Oh, um, it definitely sounds like a college like intro for like a, um, I don't know, like a shitty D3 like intro pump up song that would be played at the beginning of the season. Um, and what you said about the other um, big network intro songs. I don't know if anybody saw that. Um, I don't know if it's a TikTok or that um, video going around of the guy from Sandlot and all of them were playing. And he was dancing with all of the uh, intro songs for all the networks. And every song's a banger. I could listen to all four Everyone. networks, CBS, Fox, um, ESPN. I could listen to every um, NFL football network intro song for hours on end. And this one is just terrible. Yeah, it's awful. It's awful. All right, let's move in and talk a little bit about the game. Before we do that, week five is here. Okay, it's the second week that teams are eligible to wear their allowed alternate helmets, right? This is the first time in... 10 years that's been allowed that a team can have more than one helmet for a season. Two teams are rolling out their alternate helmets this weekend. One being the Patriots. A lot of people are excited to see the classic look. I believe it's called Pat the Patriot. Uh, a guy in revolutionary war clothes hunched over to snap the ball. They're pairing that together with their red uniforms. Haven't worn them in 10 years. Very Tom Brady-esque when you look back or think about these uniforms. So it's going to be a weird feel uh, seeing, I'm assuming, Bailey Zappi lineup at quarterback in the all red. Um, the other team that's rolling out their alternate helmets is the Cardinals. I don't know if you've seen these, Chaz, but they have their full blacked out helmets, blacked out uniforms. 
kind of a slick idea, but to me, it looks exactly like the Atlanta Falcons and really downgrades what I think of these uniforms a lot. Yeah, I, I like that. I mean, I like, I think they should have a new uniform every year. I haven't actually seen that one, so I'm not um, too sure about that. Um, but before we break down this Thursday night matchup, you said week five, and it being October, I just think we should think of something real scary. Everyone just take a deep breath and close your eyes. It's already week five, okay? I know the season's long, but we only have like 13 more weeks of fantasy eligible NFL football, and that just gives me chills. That's so scary. I just had to throw that out there. Spooky season's here, guys. All right, let's look at this matchup. We've got Colts at Broncos. Denver is three and a half point favorites. Again, we mentioned the Colts are without Jonathan Taylor. The over-under is 42. Um, I believe both of these teams are sitting at two and two. No, the Colts tied a game. So Broncos are two and two. Colts are one, two, and one. Um, but two very different seasons. And I feel like the teams are on different trajectories. Uh, Chaz, go ahead and talk about one of these teams, what you feel like the fantasy implications are, and we'll just kind of break it down from there. Yeah, so I think both of these teams um... – Speaking, I'll just talk about Indianapolis real quick. I, I think they've had a few um, injury concerns throughout the week. I know Pittman's been injured a few times. Um, I believe there's been a few other, um, I think they're tied. I think Molly Cox might have missed a week. Um, and then now JT's out. So I just don't think they've had a consistent um, full lineup um, to play. Um, so I think that's been kind of an issue for them in these past few weeks. But besides that, I think uh, Matt Ryan, uh, I love Matt Ryan but he's just played awful. And I think his age is kind of catching up to him a little bit. Indianapolis played really great last year. Um, and they were kind of game managing and, and ran the ball really well and their defense did really well, but this year they just haven't looked good on offense. Um, and then with JT being out in terms of fantasy implications, um, again, I'll break it down more when we get to the matchups, but uh, Naheem Hines is only running back. I would care to play, which I don't think 25 Savage is even playing. And then Pittman's back who's also on 25 Savage. I think he's the only um, Indianapolis wide receiver I think that could have a big game. So those are really the only two uh, I care to look at um, on the Indianapolis side. Yeah, when looking at this matchup, when you're talking about the Colts, we said they're 1-2-1. One, and one. The one tie they have was week one to the Houston Texans where Matt Ryan was forced to throw the ball 50 times. Their one win was against the Chiefs. That record makes no sense to me with those outcomes against those opponents. The game against the Chiefs, they relied heavily on their defense and heavily on their run game. Without JT, you can't plug Naheem Hines in there and feel like he's going to be a big body back that's going to get really physical with this Denver defense. I just don't see that happening. I feel like it's going to be a lot of passing the ball, which to me does not bode well. Uh, we saw it week one where Matt Ryan attempted 50 passes. We're going to see probably close to that tonight. I'm expecting a lot of punts. Maybe a decent game, one or two big plays from Pittman. But outside of that, I'm not expecting a lot from this Colts offense, which explains why the line is three and a half for Denver. But looking at the other side of the ball, I mean, we've got the Broncos. They're also without their lead back. Javante Williams out for the season, torn ACL. Not going to be there for Denver. Not going to be there for Viva La Tejas. Unfortunate. Um, they have come out much less impressive to me. So they're two and two. Um, the off-season storyline, we talked about it. The AFC West is going to be awesome. They're all going to be shootouts. They're a bunch of great teams. They're going to look awesome. They lost to the Seahawks week one. Remember that homecoming for Russell Wilson? They end up losing that game. They barely beat the Texans in a one-score game uh, that following week. And outside of that, they barely beat the 49ers in that primetime Sunday night football game. They won 10-11. to 11. 
So their two and two record is not nearly as strong as it could be. Where do you like the the fantasy assets for this team? Are you big on Melvin Gordon going forward, or maybe Mike Boone's the play here? Mike Boone is never the play. Okay, but I, I think similar to a lot of teams in the NFL. Granted, I, I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. I don't even know what fucking team players are good this year. But one thing I do know is um, there's a few coaches that I know more than. Okay, and Nathaniel Hackett's one of them, and he's an idiot. Him and Arthur freaking Arthur. Um, I can't even say his name. It makes me so Arthur mad. Smith. Arthur Smith are a bunch of idiots. Uh, but Nathaniel Hackett has not helped this team out at all. Um, again, two veterans going up against each other. But in terms of um, in terms of Russell Wilson, uh, opposed to Matt Ryan, he's still got quite a bit, or we would think quite a bit of juice in the tank, and he hasn't shown it at all this year. Um, and then with losing their star running back, I think they're going to be in some serious trouble moving forward. Um, but, yeah, in terms of this week – like I said, I'm, I'm all jokes aside. Um, Mike Boone, I think I'm really interested to see how he actually plays. I don't think he's going to play well. Um, I definitely think Melvin Gordon's going to get most of the carries. Um, so I'm curious to see how both of them do well. Hopefully Melvin Gordon can order the ball. Um, and then I think it's going to be kind of um, a slower game on Indianapolis's side. And then I think they're going to maybe try to push the ball a little bit more um, this week on Denver. So again, just Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, uh, Melvin Gordon, and then we'll see how uh, Mike Boone does. Yeah, overall, I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. I mentioned it before, a lot of punts. My best bets would be primarily for the under, under 42. I would also take the under on the Colts team total. It's set at 19.5. I don't think they're going to get there. I'd also take the under at Matt Ryan's passing yards. He said at 226. And then I'd take Denver with the spread. So Denver minus 3.5 to win. Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be just a boring, lame game. We're going to be seeing our couches watching it nonetheless. Okay. It's the time you all have been waiting for. We're down to the commissioner picks. We're going to break down all these matchups. Rivalry week is here. Chaz, you and I on the season, we skipped last week. Last week was unofficial picks for Will and I, but we're tied. We're both sitting at 10 and 8. 10 and 8 on the season thus far. We've got six great matchups, big rivals. We're going to start with my matchup. We've got the 1 and 3 Viva La Tejas versus the 4-0 Ranch Water Wranglers, myself versus Joey. You heard the trash talk. It's real. We hate each other. Chaz, break down this matchup a little bit and talk about this game. Well, before I break down the matchup, uh, I just want to say, you know, the the rivalry weeks, uh, I believe this year and the last few years, um, they have not been stagnant. We've kind of mixed them up a little bit. Is this correct? That's correct, yeah. All right. So I'm curious to see, you know, I haven't heard too much chatter, uh, me included in the, in the group chat. I think it'll come – uh, come to a head towards the latter end of the season when uh, we actually kind of have a better understanding of um, playoff implications. Um, right. So it's been a little quiet this week. Um, I am curious how the um, rivalries this, this year will be a little bit different from last year. I do believe me and you were rivals last year. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes. Yeah. It didn't really work out well for you, did it? Well, you know, we just like each other a lot, Chaz. It's no, this, no hard feelings there. So this is true. So I'm hoping that that theme will carry over against 25 Savage. But um, breaking up your all's matchup here, um, we have the team at the top of my rankings going up against the team at the bottom of my rankings. I think it's pretty mm-hmm. easy to see who uh, I will choose this week. Um, but breaking down the rosters, with your recent trades, uh, again, some people don't care about this as much as others, me included, uh, about draft, draft capital um, after about – week two or three, but you do have quite a few uh, players during the draft that people are excited about. Um, Justin Herbert now 
Najee Harris, Dalvin Cook, who received back, and Gabe Davis. Um, so I'm curious if those players can um, kind of live up to some of their hype. Gabe Davis, I do believe, is still questionable. Is that correct? That is not correct. I'm looking at it now. No injury designation. Okay, well, looky there. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's, he's back from the dead. Um, so a couple of the guys here, I think, need to start having big weeks uh, to kind of live up to their, their draft hype. But, I mean, a couple of the guys speak for themselves. They're, they're kind of um, low-floor guys. Ezekiel Elliott, uh, Tyler Conklin, and then Jamal Williams, who is replacing, I believe, DeAndre Swift again this week, who had a big week last week. Um, so it could go either way um, on your end. But on, on the other side of the ball here, we have guys who we know are going to put up and them not putting up putting up anything but high-scoring points um, will be a shocker. Patrick Mahomes, Nick Chubb, easily the best per best running back um, just on the ground and in general in the NFL, I believe. Um, he's top two just overall running backs in football. Um, granted, NFL or uh, fantasy implications aside, uh, but he, he showed out last week. Tyreek Hill balled out. Christian McCaffrey, Curtis Samuel, and then uh, Dawson Knox um, have played pretty well the last few weeks. So I, if if all goes to planned and kind of plays out how it's been playing out, I think it'll be a pretty um, easy win for Ranchwater. All right, you got Ranchwater in this one. Well, it's rivalry matchup. This twerp, Joey, thinks he's hot shit. He's not. He thinks he's untouchable. He's not, okay? I've already sounded off a little bit about his starters. Uh, but here's the thing. On my side of the ball, my sweet prince, down for the season. Uh, but my team's got some fighters in it. Justin Herbert, we saw him with that rib injury, right? Came back like a fighter. He's back completely healthy. He's a dog. Najee Harris, he's a dog. Dalvin Cook, He's a dog when he's healthy, which he's healthy now, so he's a dog. Brandon Ayuk, my Niner guy, he's a dog. Gabe Davis, he's a dog, right? Jamal Williams, he's an anime dog, all right? With Swift out, I'm liking this matchup. Sprinkle in a little bit of that Packers defense going up against the Wimpy Giants. This is spooky season. All this to say, Chaz, if nothing else, you know me, I'm an honest man, a man of integrity. You would agree, correct? I would, yes. Okay. Because of that, I am obligated to continue to take Joey's team until he loses. That's the only reason here why I'm taking Joey to win this matchup. I'm on Ranchwater Wranglers because I'm obligated to do so because I'm a man of my word. You know, fantasy is important, but um, fantasy aside, I think we really care who uh, who's more Texas, even though you live in Ohio now. Oh, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. We'll see who wins this game, and then we can uh, hash that out. Let's go into matchup number two. We've got Louisville, Kentucky, hot tub time machine, 0-4. We talked about their struggles a little bit. Versus Titletown Kurds, number one in standing, sitting undefeated, 4-0, winless against the undefeated. Uh, Before we break this down, Chad, did you know that hot tub time machine is a movie? I did, yes. And it's also probably on the hot tub. Oh, he changed it to hot tub instead of hot chub i believe it was hot chub which was i'd say on the most um unoriginal um list of all time well i think he's been louisville kentucky hot tub time machine since the start of the season i didn't realize that was a movie and it actually has a sequel that blew my mind i was looking it up earlier this week uh but i guess that was common knowledge to you so never mind i thought it was breaking news there uh Chaz, go ahead break down this matchup tell me what you like in these two teams yeah so there's a lot to like on one side and not so much on the other um 
it's been mentioned before, but poor Ryan here, um, regardless of, of his players, he's been plagued by the injury bug this year, as opposed to back on wood, um, no hard feelings, BC, but, uh, yeah, he's, he's a lot of his players. I think quite a few of them have missed weeks, have had injury designations throughout the first three weeks of the, of the season, having got full practices in, um, his two main guys, Alvin Kamar and then DeAndre Swift, who I was excited about um, throughout the um, preseason. And just those were the guys I thought he could lean on have not been there for him. Luckily he has got JK Dobbins back. TJ Hawkinson seems to be um, heavily targeted on Detroit. So he's got a couple guys there that looked really good last week. Um, so hopefully a few of those guys can have hit some big numbers and kind of carry the other guys. Um, but yeah, I'm just worried about some of his injuries here. Um, and they, a lot of these guys might be kind of, start sit uh, questions coming Sunday. Yeah. Looking, looking at Ryan's team, it reminds me of that, you know, the cartoon sound, the womp, womp, womp. You know what I'm talking about? Let me here. I got it here. Let me play it. Just all of these injuries. It's tough to really bounce back from that. Uh, he's been resilient. He's put together a good team and I think he still has a decent team. Um, here's the thing. Ryan gave Daniel a team that you think is very good a big scare last week, largely because of J.K. Dobbins. But here's what we're not considering. Hypothetically, he had – well, not hypothetically. He actually had Kamara and Godwin out last week, right? They were both out with injury. Hypothetically, if one of those guys could have played in place of Cam Akers or Greg Dortch, he would have won that game. Both Akers and Dortch put up less than two fantasy points, and Ryan only lost to Daniel by 10 points. You'd have to think – that Kamara or Godwin would at least put up something like that. Just a painful, painful way to continue and go 0-4. Another situation that we're monitoring here is the tight end situation for Ryan, okay? He's got two players in Hawkinson and in Joku, both top 12 guys in terms of the tight end position. But get this, in week three, Ryan played Hawkinson, and Joku was on his bench and put up 24 points. If he had switched that, he would have won his matchup. In week four, this past week, he played in Joku. Hawkinson was on his bench, put up 40 points. That also would have propelled him over Daniel. So this is a team that's sitting 0-4, a lot of bad breaks because of injuries, like we've mentioned, but also some unfortunate breaks just in lineup decisions that aren't really his fault. So here we are sitting in week five. What does he do with both of those tight ends? Puts them both in his lineup. I like the move here. This is boding well for a team that I feel like could be trending up, when some guys start getting a little bit healthier. Let's talk about Kurds on the other side of the ball, though. Yeah, so actually, I'm going to add one more thing here about Ryan McCauley. I didn't know mm-hmm. what you just said was true, so that's actually very interesting. But also, I would say, um, me, the last, I think, few weeks here, I've lost by quite a few points, and I don't think any players on my bench would have saved me. There's nothing more infuriating to know that you, play, you didn't play somebody who would have helped you win. Um, so I feel for you. Sorry, Ryan. Uh, moving on to Tattletown Cheese Curds. Very consistent. I think um, him, Ranchwater, and uh, Dom Patrol these first few weeks, if anything, they've just been consistent. All the players have put up points, and it's kind of been luck of the draw for who they've been going up against. Um, some of the big names here I hit on, I, I went over his team um, earlier. His starting lineup's just phenomenal. His bench, we won't go over that because that um, has nothing to do with this week. His starters, it looks like they're all playing, so I, I don't see it, any reason why they should lose. Um, Cooper Cup, Travis Kelsey, 
Lamar Jackson, enough said with him. And then two guys who um, a lot of people were excited about in the offseason, but also have just absolutely showed out. Chris Olave, Amon Ross St. Brown have looked amazing. And then Tegans has been the better, um, unfortunately for me, since I have Jamar Chase, has been the better Cincinnati wide receiver. So I think he's just gotten um, not lucky, but I think the, the guys have just played how they should have been playing. So um, if that continues, I'm picking Tattletown this week. Yeah, I'd just reiterate everything you said if I broke this down. The only thing I'll say is Cooper Cup is getting a disgusting amount of targets in that Rams offense. Uh, so, yeah, great player for fantasy. Arguably going to be the number one wide receiver if he stays healthy by the end of the year. Uh, picks for this one, you know, I'd love to try and make a stronger case for Ryan, but I'm going to take the Kurds here. I think it's the obvious choice. I assume you're doing the same. I said that earlier, if you were to pay attention to my breakdown and analysis. All right, forgive me. Next, we'll move on to your matchup, Chaz. We're looking at I'm a Chooch. You're sitting at one and three. You're going up against Daniel Arrows, 25 Savage, also sitting at one and three. Kind of the perennial top dogs of the league uh, sitting down here at the bottom of standings. And one of you guys is going to move to one and four. Uh, it's a juicy matchup. Do you want to talk about this a little bit? Maybe break down Daniel's team in a little bit more detail. Yes, the game of the week. Just kidding. Um, yeah. <laughs> I will say... This morning, I was very confident. I was like, finally, the guys, I think, you know, they've had a couple rocky roads here, uh, but I think they're going to do well. Um, and I, I was excited. But now, after this week of practice uh, updates, I had a couple guys on here that I, I'm not totally sure they're going to play. Um, and Kyle Pitts, uh, Rashad Bateman, who I know he's been kind of rocky, but I thought he was going to play. Those guys didn't practice at all Thursday. Brees Hall still beat up. Um, I, I slid in Elijah Moore over Rashad Bateman because I, I have a good feeling he's not going to play. So um, I was pumped this, this morning, but now I'm actually quite worried. So 25 Savage, um, good luck this week. I think you, you have a better chance than I do. <clears throat> so real quick, like I said, Green Bay, Aaron Jones is a must-start for me. Um, but a couple of tricky players that I popped in here, Brees Hall over A.J. Dillon. Um, a lot of people have been talking about Brees Hall. I'm glad I got him from Don Patrol. Appreciate that. So he's going to be in there this week. I'm thinking um, Jamar Chase. I'm not super worried about him. Hopefully him and Joe can have a better showing this week. And then I, the only one I am worried about is Elijah Moore um, and Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts basically on injury and Arthur Smith fucks me every week. But also Elijah Moore has not lived up to his potential. But with Zach back, uh, I'm praying to God he puts up some decent fantasy points, especially with Rashad mostly likely being out. Yeah. This, uh, this matchup between you and Daniel, of all the rivalries, I feel like this is one uh, where I feel like the two of you really know how to get under each other's skin. You're able to drop those, you know, passive, argumentative uh, statements to one another and really tick each other off. So excited to see how this spells out for the rest of the weekend. Um, here's what it comes down to. Like you said, Brees Hall is now taking over the New York Jets backfield. He finally outtouched Michael Carter in week four, 19 touches and a touchdown against Pittsburgh's defense. Uh, he's going up this week against Miami, should be off to a similar start. So this bodes very well for Brees Hall. So I think it's an obvious choice to play him instead of both of the Packers running backs like we've been giving you a hard time for all season. Uh, but the big thing, a lot is riding on it. It's the Sunday night matchup, Cincinnati versus Baltimore. You've got three players in that matchup, including your quarterback, your number one overall pick in Jamar Chase, and then your highlight star, Rashad Bateman, who has not been performing up to the standard you would hope, uh, but three guys that could score a lot of points for you late into the matchup going into Sunday night. Uh, will you still be at Buffalo Wild Wings watching games at that point, or what's your plan for Sunday night? I'll give you my breakdown of uh, 
speed ups. So like you said, you don't like waking up at eight, nine 30, but most of the time, uh, this time of year, my ritual is I will wake up, uh, around eight o'clock because most of the, the F1 races, which I, I do watch on Sundays, um, are around that time. So I will be up. I would already had my coffee around eight. Um, I'll watch the, the pre-race, uh, intro on ESPN and then followed by the, the race of whichever country it's in, um, or Grand Prix of that week. I will watch that. And then luckily these morning games, which we have one this week, I will have those kind of going back and forth. So I'll watch that. And then hopefully it will be kind of a, um, a lopsided one so I can get out of here. I like that. My, my beat ups is probably what 20 minutes away from me. I like to get out about 30 minutes early. So I have like a 15 minute buffer to pick my spot, pick out my TVs. Um, so I'll probably get there uh, 12.55. Um, I'll be in my seat. Uh, so I'll watch the, the one o'clock games, depending on how many players I have in my games. This week, let me mosey on over to my, my team here. I wasn't going to have too many one o'clock games with recent injuries um, and some decisions here. I have transferred a few players, so I have a couple one o'clock games. Um, so I'll most likely just be there for the one o'clock games. I have one four o'clock game. I know uh, everyone really wants to hear my day plan, so I'm going to keep going. I, there's one four o'clock game, so luckily I can watch that at home. And then at nighttime, I'll be here, Ravens, Cincinnati, on the big screen, totally naked, going down. All right, love it. Love to hear it. Um, let's talk a little bit about the other side of the ball. We got 25 Savage, right? Uh, he's had kind of a revolving door at quarterback. Five weeks into the season, his starting lineup has consisted of four different quarterbacks. Started with Rodgers, then tried Kirk Cousin, was very vocal about his disappointment with Kirk Cousin in the group chat. Moved to Marcus Mariota last week, got him the win, but now he's on to Trevor Lawrence. I feel like this is kind of a consistent upgrade, um, but a good spot to be in with T-Law. I see a lot of bright future for him. I think the Jaguars have kind of uh, reinvigorated their season thus far. Uh, but when it comes to the running backs, he's lost Devonte Adams and added Christian Kirk, which is a huge downgrade. Now I know obviously that trade is contingent because of the fact that he also got JT who he'll be able to play later in the season, but this is kind of a win now scenario. We talked about it at the beginning. Both you guys are one in three. The loser sits at one in four. We talked about how top heavy the league is and you really need to stack up wins now, not necessarily a must win scenario, but that trade did not bode well for his matchup with you this week, Jazz. Yeah, I think uh, that was, uh, I saw that it was a little shocking. Um, you know, I, we're not, we're not in the panic mode, like super yet. We're not in the, your season's kind of screwed unless you do something mode, but give it a week or two. Uh, we will, we will be. So I think him doing that was a little cocky move on his part, on his part uh, for thinking he's going to easy win against me with the players he's got. Um Hopefully you get the win. I mean, I do like your team um, with the trade. You know, Michael Pittman's a big one tonight. This one's kind of, this is kind of a fun week. Um, well, I guess, depending on how you look at it, for 25 Savage, he's got, I, I might put Naeem Hines in there. I don't know what he'll do before game time. But he has one player, arguably two, that he could play on Thursday. And then he's got three players he's going to put in there. Nope, he changed up his lineup again. He's got two players on Monday. So he's got three players that are playing on the uh, primetime Thursday and Monday games, um, that could be quite a difference factor um, for his uh, for his points. So I, I think it could be exciting um, for the Monday game, but it also could be nerve-wracking if you need quite a bit of points here. So I think he was a little cocky um, making that trade now, but we'll see if it pays off. 
Yeah, we will. And are you going to make an official pick on this game? Are you taking yourself or are you going to take 25 Savage? Come on, Trent. I'm not as easily swayed. I have a heart, okay? Nope. You know how I, once again, you must remember, I'm a man of integrity. I ha- I'm obligated to pick Joey until he loses. Otherwise, of course, I would have picked myself. You're picking yourself here, Chaz. I'm also riding with end. you. We're same picks through the first three games. So let's move on in to the next matchup. We have the Vet City Stingrays. Kyle Martin's team sitting at one in three versus the Fighter Town Mavericks also sitting at one in three. These teams have the same record, but I feel like are now hitting different trajectories. One team started strong and is now tailing off. The other is finding their form at this point in the season. What do you think of this one and who wins this matchup, Chaz? Yeah, I don't have it in front of me, but I'm pretty sure, I think it's been mentioned, but I'm pretty sure Kyle's team, um, of the one in three teams, he has the most points for. Yeah, and me, I think real quick, in week two, he put up 130 points lost. This past week, he put up just under 150 points and lost. So he is putting up monster numbers in recent weeks and sitting there with a one and three record. We've talked about it, how unlucky he's been in the past for fantasy football. It's continued to this season thus far. You know, a lot of people think I I have a heart of um, ice or a heart of coal um, and I'm a psychopath, but I feel for you people. Okay. Like I said, Ryan, it sucks when there's players on your bench that could have helped you win. I would say equally as bad as when you score arguably more than anybody and you still lose to that one person. Mm-hmm. So I feel for you, VC Stingrays. But with that being said, um, you have scored the most points for, I think, of all the one and three teams and over one, two, and two team. Um, so I like your team. I think you have a lot to offer. And finally, one week where you can actually um, reap the benefits of having good players on your team. So uh, I'll break down the teams. Uh, I will be picking Kyle's team, but let me break down his team real quick. Okay. Uh, one player that I, I am curious to see how he goes regular, rest of season is Kyle, Kyle Murray. Uh, he hasn't really lived up to the hype. He has really got his points with running, um, getting a few touchdown, rushing touchdowns. Um, he hasn't looked very good in the offense, though, and he hasn't really looked good uh, throwing the ball. So I am curious how going up against Philadelphia, who's a really good offense this year, or a really good defense this year, um, how he's going to fare especially going, it'll be a fun matchup too, because he's going up against another um, running quarterback. So that'll be a fun matchup here. Derrick Henry has actually played pretty well. um, So I'm sure he's excited about that. And then a few other guys here that I think have really helped him this season in Mark Andrews and in Josh Jacobs, who is another one of those guys that a lot of people weren't excited about, but they've really uh, shown out this year. So I think he's got a lot of studs on his team that um, are really coming to their own this year. Um, especially pushing these next few games. So I really like his team a lot. I'm obviously going to pick him. Um, what, are your, what are your breakdown of his team before? Yeah, I, with I his team, I mean, this matchup itself, both these guys have been really quiet this week in the chat. Uh, I'm sure they're going to sound off a little bit more as we get closer to these matchups. We said it before. I mean, he's frustrated. He's frustrated coming off of a loss. This is a really interesting matchup. Um, when it comes to the lineup, he inserted Robert Woods in place of uh, Jarvis Landry. After Robert Woods has put up pretty good performances in the past two weeks, back-to-back 13-point performances, uh, I mentioned his hot starts, 130 points week two, 150 points in this past week. Thanks a lot because of what you mentioned with Josh Jacobs, a huge week four performance, 33 overall touches. I think he led all running backs uh, and two touchdowns after a slow start to the season, something really exciting. But on the other end, 
I am continually getting more and more nervous about Allen Robinson. Um, we talked about it a minute ago when we were looking at the Kurds team with the hyper targeting of Cooper Cup and how dominant of a fantasy player and dominant of a football player he's been. Uh, that doesn't bode well for the other pass catchers outside of Tyler Higby. So Allen Robinson is a guy that's making me more and more nervous, but otherwise I think this VC Stingrays team is A-OK. On the other side of the ball, we've got the Fightertown Mavericks. Now the Mavs, on the other hand, this is a team I feel like is trending down, even though they have the same record. Uh, Waddle, Jalen Waddle is a guy that we said, you know, he's got a good floor. He's a great player when two is there. Since Tua has gone out, he has gotten significantly worse with Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback. Uh, he put up very few points last week. I think it was uh, 4.7, somewhere in that range. Um, so this is a big hit to his team with Tua missing this game. In addition to that, Cordero Patterson put on IR with a knee injury. Uh, that doesn't seem like a big deal because he could be back in a, in a number of weeks, two or three weeks, I believe. But keep in mind, Cordero Patterson at 32 years old with a knee injury. Um, these guys are starting to wear down. Cordero Patterson's a guy who's never had a significant injury. So this could be something to monitor as the season goes along. Uh, and then Kittle. Kittle has really underperformed a guy he spent a lot of draft capital on for one of these big name tight ends. Just hasn't really been there. Um, and then lastly, he's looking for that long-term quarterback solution, right? A lot of these teams in our league are looking for that long-term quarterback solution. We commended Tyler earlier about going after Geno Smith, who seems to be a solid play. Uh, but again, I'm, I'm just really not that excited. Love Teddy to death, but I'm not excited about him for his fantasy value. Because of all that, the way these two teams are trending, I'm with you once again, Chaz. I'm on the VC Stingrays to win this matchup. Yeah, what I will, uh, you hit on quite a bit there. Um... But I like, I will say one thing. I'm not going to break down his team totally, but just a couple of players that I'm excited to watch this week. I'm going to see if Debo can continue that. Mm -hmm. What a phenomenal game. That had to be exciting for you. Loved it. Yeah, that was dope. Jalen Waddle, I'm curious to see how he does with Teddy Bridgewater. That's kind of a sneaky stack that would be fun to watch um, for that. And then uh, George Kittle, he kind of had a slow week last week again. So I'm curious if he could bounce back against a shitty Carolina. And then lastly is Antonio Gibson, who, um, his, they played well at the beginning of the season, but each week he has slowly scored less and less fantasy points. I'm curious against not a very good Tennessee, uh, how they can live up to that. But like I said, I will go VC Stingers as well. Interesting question here, Chaz, for you just off the clip. Antonio Gibson, if you had him, is he a guy that you're nervous with Brian Robinson coming back? Is this a guy that you'd be looking to trade or are you content that he's going to stick with the starting role in this running back position? So I think Washington's a very passive team as is, and Carson Wentz likes to sling the rock, and they kind of scheme Antonio Brown in depending on the game script. So bringing another head in there along with J.D. McKissick, I, I would be very worried. Yeah. Yeah, Antonio Gibson, maybe a question mark moving forward this weekend. I think he's going to be fine. All right, let's move on in. Next matchup, we've got two more vocal individuals. We've got Don Patrol sitting at 4-0, and happy as hell to be there. Versus King of the North, Davis Church sitting at two and two. This is a uh, love-hate matchup. One of the most uh, requested rivalry matchups. Uh, I think they go by Stephanie and Jessica when they start really getting into it. Uh, so what do you make of this matchup between these two, uh, you know, lovers, haters? We don't really know exactly what they are. But at the end of the day, they're fantasy football matchup rivals. So if we, were, if we go back to the... Um... 
ranking of the truth rankings. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are back to back, Don at nine and King at ten. Um, so this could be a juicy matchup. I'm just seeing how my uh, my standings rank up for this one. Uh, but I am excited just for the chatter that might go on here um, in the next couple of days. Um, breaking down King and the Rose team. This guy's on the move 24-7. He doesn't stop. He's got his fantasy team up on one screen. He's got his acquisition board on the left screen. He's shooting trades. He's uh, shooting um, offers left and right. He, he just seems to always have a different team each week. So uh, breaking down the team that he has now, but I don't imagine will be it next week. Um, I've said it before. Uh, I think long-term, depth-wise, he could be an issue, but just breaking down his starting lineup, uh, Damian – Pierce looked great last week. Um, Jacksonville is a sneaky, strong defense. So I am curious to see being the uh, lead back here, how he does. Melvin Gordon, again, lead back. Javante's out. Um, We'll see that here in about an hour or so. Um, So that'd be exciting. And then, ooh, he's got got two Thursday. Let's see, has he just got two Thursday night night games on on the docket here? Melvin Gordon, Jerry Judy, does he have any any, uh, Indianapolis players? He does not have his lineup. He doesn't. Well, he's got two on the Thursday night uh, matchup, so um, he'll get a good uh, representation of how he's going to do the rest of the weekend. Um, but yeah, Michael Thomas, I don't think he's going to be playing, so he's going to have to pick one of these guys on his bench who I'm not super excited about. So I think he's got some question marks here um, on his roster, but he does have that Devontae Adams ad that he just had that I think could carry him um, and make it kind of close. Yeah, this one, it's going to be interesting. I'm going to start with actually Don's team, just looking at this. He brings his undefeated team, right? We need to respect that. He's the guy we're going to break down first. And looking at this, Russell Wilson at the helm, uh, begrudgingly. I don't think that this is a guy that Eric wants to have in his starting lineup. He's been looking for other quarterbacks. We've mentioned it over and over again. Guys are trying to find the right quarterback to play. Uh, But I think his team's bigger than that. They're based around the Buffalo Bills. Right. He's got the Bills defense, top defense right now in fantasy football. Stephon Diggs, a phenomenal talent, great player, great wide receiver for fantasy. And Devin Singletary, who's coming, turning to be a pretty good wide receiver or sorry, running back two in fantasy football format. Uh, And then lastly, he's really looking at CEH. Clyde Edwards-Alaire has been a guy who continues to be consistent for fantasy football. Uh, He's running back five for fantasy this year uh been a very impressive player and if you really look at the statistics or how he scored each week i would say he's the third most consistent running back in fantasy behind nick chubb sitting at number one and christian mccaffrey who's kind of having a resurgence and a pretty good fantasy football season as well yeah some good notes there uh similar to the other the other matchups i'm just gonna say a couple quick things on this uh, instead of things I'm excited about, I am worried uh, potentially this week. He's got Corey Davis and DJ Moore. Uh, Corey Davis has played okay, uh, but having those two in a starting lineup, especially how uh, especially how uh, DJ Moore has been playing with Baker Mayfield, um, those are two guys in his lineup that I am curious to see how they play this week. If they if those two guys who are, I mean, that's two positions. If they don't show out, you could be hurting. Um, so those are probably the two. Big players I'd be watching this week. And then one other exciting thing, Russell Wilson, this could go either way because due to King having um, Jerry Judy, um, he could snipe some of the points from Jerry oh, Judy yeah. and likewise, but also he's got Melvin Gordon. So if they rush the ball quite a bit and Russell Wilson doesn't have 
uh, a lot of touching or a lot of uh, passing touchdowns and Melvin Gordon snipes some of those, it could be um, an issue for Russell Wilson. Could get really interesting. Uh, we will commend Davis here a little bit. You're talking about it. he's always having his screens up, has the trades going, has in talks negotiations for these trades. His lineup from last week to this week, he has one single player that is the same from his starting lineup last week to what it is this week, and that's his tight end, Dallas Godert. Everyone else on that lineup was either a player on his bench or a player that he traded for this week. So he's getting active. He's sitting at two and two. He knows he needs to make some moves now. He's trying to take down Don Patrol. However, I am buying into the luck that we've seen this far. I'm buying into the Buffalo Bills matchup against the Steelers. I think that Don is going to win this game and move to five and zero. You know what? I agree. Numbers talk, baby. I got Don Patrol as well. Numbers talk. All right, guys. Let's move on in. Rivalry weeks. Matchup of the week. Two great teams going head to head. One coming off a loss, one coming off a win. The Lexington Mob. We've got Will Gray's team sitting at two and two, going up against the Chrome Domes, three and one. Tyler Jasper's team Mm. coming off a 170 plus fantasy football weekend, a dominant performance. Can he repeat? Is he going to win this matchup? What's going to happen this week with his? I love it. Um, this is definitely, I think, of all the matchups we've had so far. Uh, granted, it's rivalry week, but all the matchups we've had so far, I think this one's the most exciting. Um, I think this could be the closest matchup of the week, um, hence why we picked it. But it also two good teams. Um, they're kind of in, in the middle there. They're not. It's not like a. Granted, it'd be pretty easy to pick a uh, matchup of the week if we got two four zero teams going against each other. But these two guys, um, arguably, I think could be four zero if uh, things changed a little bit. Um, but I, I like both these teams and then we're going to see which one's the better one this week. Um, I'm going to break down Lexington Mobs team real quick. Similar to Davis, uh, Lexington Mob is a big fan of trades. He likes making trades, but I think he's getting a little, um, he's getting a little blue balls cause he hasn't had any big trades recently. Um, so I think this lineup has been pretty, uh, consistent with the one last week, um, as opposed to Davis. Um, again, a, a lot of his players on his team, at the beginning of the season, I wasn't too high on, and I was kind of dogging a little bit, but have really come into their own. And those players, in terms of um, players that I wasn't a huge fan on, was DK Metcalf, Leonard Fournette, um, Rama, Amandre Stevenson. Um, a lot of those guys have really been playing well, and I think um, DK, especially with how Gino's been playing, um, he could be a really good asset going forward. Um, and then a couple other guys on here that I'm just excited to see play. One guy he picked up in Jalen Hurts was a was a great acquisition by him, um, especially with A.J. Brown having that two on your team. Um, it's super exciting. Gerald Everett has looked amazing. And then Drake London, uh, who I also am a big fan of. He just got a, a lot of good playmakers on here, a lot of exciting guys. Uh, so I really like his team this week. Yeah, Drake London, you just mentioned him. He's seen seven-plus targets uh, for three of the four matchups thus far with the Falcons. Um could be exciting moving forward, seeing what that Atlanta offense shapes into. We saw the highlights of the coach saying they just want to run the damn ball, run the piss out of the ball this past weekend. Um, but outside of that, also DK Metcalf put up big figures, 17.4 and 21.9 in the last two weeks. Um, finally coming into his own, thanks to Geno Smith at the helm at quarterback there. Uh, and then lastly, I just love the Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown stack. That was a big selling point when I was talking to him about that initial trade when I had Jalen Hurts, uh, and it feels really safe. But something about the rest of these 
players feels a little bit stale to me. So I'm calling this a safe but stale team. They just got beat down by Viva La Tejas last week. We'll see if they can bounce back. Let's take a look really quick at the other side of the ball in the Chrome Domes. Tyler's team coming off a monster week. It's the second lineup this week that we've seen that is now using double tight ends. Okay, so he's got Zach Ertz, Tyler Higby in as two tight ends in his starting lineup. For me, the tight end position is so shallow this year. It's so hit or miss. Uh, I'm a little bit apprehensive on this. Zach Ertz in particular, I feel like Higby could be kind of that top, you know, first or second tier top echelon of tight ends. Uh, but for me, I feel a little bit more nervous with Ertz. You touched on the inconsistent play a little bit of Kyler a minute ago. Um, but this team, outside of that, they've got enough talent to go to the roof, to the ceiling, to the moon. Uh, for me this week, it's easy. I'm picking the Chrome Domes to win. Yeah, Chrome Dome, I'm a little jealous of you. You have quite a few players that I had on my team last year. Josh Allen, Justin Jefferson, Tyler Higby, who's looked really great, um, even better than he did last year. Um, but, I, I mean – I wouldn't say you got lucky because everyone knows how good Saquon Barkley is, but I don't think anybody was expecting um, how he's been playing. But he's got Saquon Barkley. Um, he got Miles Sanders from me. Maybe not a bet the best trade I've ever made. Um, but at the time, I think it was fine. Miles Sanders has looked amazing. Um, and then he's got a couple other guys on here. Tyler Lockett, again, similar to DK Metcalf, which could be a fun little matchup to watch between the two of them. See which one gets the most points this week um, between those two. Um, but he's been looking really good. And then he's just got another um, – Couple guys on his bench that I think I might start over Zach Ertz, but like like you said, um, I might be a little apprehensive of that as well. But you know he's done well so far, and I, I don't want to you know question his judgment per se. So uh, this one for me again, I think it's going to be super close, so it could go either way. But I'm also going to go Chrome Domes. All right, we're both on Chrome Domes. We actually picked the exact same this entire week. We'll see how we go but we'll be tied going into next week when we look at the commissioner rankings. Now it's time to move into the toilet bowl alert. All right, guys, the episode is going a little bit long, but that's okay. We're going to stick with it. We're going to give you two teams that we see some red flags going up, some dangerous things that we say, maybe if things continue the trend that we're seeing, or maybe if ways continue for the way that this manager is managing, these guys are in trouble of being in the toilet bowl, losing, having to do the dirty 30. Toilet bowl alert, I'll start it out this week. The team I'm putting on toilet bowl alert is Daniel Arrow and the 25 Savage team. Now, I gave him a bad draft rating originally, and now putting him on the toilet bowl alert might seem like I'm piling on for a one in three team, but I'm not. Okay, I think the trade this week could help him in the long term, but I mentioned it when I was going down the breakdown between he and Chaz's matchup. Starting one and four, if he were to lose this week, is really tough to come back from with how top heavy the standings are in our league and everything's shaping out to be. Now, I know I'm in a similar position. I put myself on toilet bowl alert last time we did this, but I think Daniel could be in a similar position with how his team's shaping up how his points for and his win-loss totals are going. Uh, I'm not putting a must-win on this for Dan, but things need to start breaking his way for a shot at the playoffs. Daniel Arrow, you're on toilet bowl alert. Well, that's a um, – you know, it makes me feel pretty good because I'm going up against this week, so maybe put some bad juju on him. But um, me, again, uh, this might be shocking to some people, but 
I'm also going to put someone up there that um, some people were liking the teams, um, quite a bit of acquisitions. Uh, it's King of the North. King of the North sitting at number 10 on my Chooch's rankings. Uh, you're on toilet bowl alert. It's, it's like life or anybody you meet, maybe a teacher, a parent, um, a company. When there's so many inconsistencies and you don't have any confidence in the people that you're with um, and you're wishy-washy, you say one thing to one person, say something else to another person, you've got a different lineup each week. And if I'm playing for you, I don't want that. I don't want a coach who's just going to throw me to the side for whoever's best that week. And for that reason, I don't have faith in your players. I don't have faith in your management. And you're on toilet bowler, pal. All right. All right. That'll do it for another episode of From the Commissioner's Desk. Thanks for listening. And lastly, I'll leave you all with a big fuck you, Joey.